Man, wasn't it a beautiful week here in the South Bay? We have it pretty good. I have summer in February. So, and uh, it's my understanding that today is a pretty important day in the sporting world. Um, and so I hope that your team wins. I've seen a couple of uh, jerseys out there already. So, um, but you know, I just want to say all I really care about at the end of the day is the quantity and the quality of the snacks, right? I just want good guacamole, that's it. That's all I care about. So, um, you know, one of our pastors in Santa Barbara used to tell the staff and the volunteers all the time, he used to say that coming into church, that every Sunday should be like Super Bowl Sunday. Um, That when we come to church and we bring our all to Jesus, we're gonna win big, you know? And uh, I like that thinking. I like thinking that when we come into a Sunday morning, we come expectant, uh, really expecting God to move and work in our hearts. So I also want to say thank you for praying, just as uh, Ben gave you a little update. Our pastors and our wives, we got to go up to Santa Barbara to participate in a, in a pastor's refresh conference, and uh, I can tell you your prayers worked. Um, we were refreshed and filled and encouraged, and so we're just excited to be back here um, pouring out and serving uh, serving this church. So thank you for that. So, all right, let's do it. Let's get into the Word of God today. If you have your Bible, you can open it up to First Peter, and we're going to continue on through this first chapter of this letter that was written by the Apostle Peter uh, to a people that he calls elect exiles. And uh, we're going to pick it up today at verse 10 and hopefully get down to verse 13 Uh, Let me do this. Let me read the text that we have today. It's a really good one. And then we'll pray one more time and then uh, get right into what God's word declares. So uh, why don't we do this? Why don't we all stand up together with the reading of God's word? Just to kind of switch it up a little bit. It says this uh, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10 through 13. Concerning this salvation... The prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you, and the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, We want to be concerned with salvation. And so God, with all that we are, with all that we have, especially with our minds today, would we long to see into what your word declares to us. Thank you that, Lord, your Holy Spirit is the one who has inspired these scriptures, and it's your Holy Spirit in us as believers that gives us understanding of the things that we're about to look into. God, we just thank you for the salvation that comes through Jesus. We thank you for the simple gospel, and we pray that that would be declared and received today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We could all sit down. Thank you, guys. 
So there's something about, you know, standing with the reading of God's word that just kind of prepares you to think about, okay, what are we going to get into? And so we're, we're just going to dig into this scripture today together, having again, as I said, our minds alert to what God wants to speak to us. And so the first words that it starts off with there says, concerning this salvation. And what Peter wants to do is he wants to keep talking about salvation as he already has been with the start of this letter. You know, to, to be concerned with salvation is something that I think is uh, pretty important, right? We want to we always have on the forefront of our minds and on the forefront of our hearts the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the salvation that God offers to us through the death and the resurrection of Jesus. I want to know, personally, I want to know the fullness of that salvation. I, I want other people also to come to know what this salvation is and that they would receive, they'd receive it from Jesus as well. Basically, simply put, this is sort of my life aim, which is that I wanna know Jesus and I wanna make him known, right? And Peter is doing that. That's what he's doing in this letter. He's already spoken of a few things concerning salvation and in the prior verses that we've been studying over the last couple weeks, we've seen already that we have, if you're a Christian, we have in God's mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's salvation, right? And Peter has told us that once you're saved, it's not unicorns and rainbows and cotton candy, but sometimes you'll go through the hard things, through the hard parts of life and through the trials and through the testing of our faith. We come through those moments rejoicing, knowing that the outcome of genuine faith is the salvation of our souls. And so we are saved, the simple gospel, we are saved by believing that Jesus died on a cross for our sins and that he was buried, and that three days later he rose from the dead, and that gives us new life. And by believing these facts about Jesus, these historical truths of the person and the work of Jesus, if we believe them in faith, we receive the grace of God. And we're gonna talk about the grace of God today. See, when you have faith and you receive the grace of God, it transforms the way you live your life now. And not only that, but it also gives you the hope of eternity within your heart. Amen? And we're talking today about what it means to be born again followers of Jesus. What it means to have accepted Christ and together being his church. What it means to be, as Peter says, elect exiles, chosen citizens of the kingdom of heaven that, that we are just passing through earth because we have an eternal hope. And so if you're a Christian, you've come to this understanding. You've come to understand that no matter what happens here on earth, whether good or bad, whether painful or pleasant, you know that you can trust Jesus. You know that even though you have not seen Jesus with your physical eyes. You love him, don't you? You haven't seen him and yet you believe by faith that he exists and that he loves you and you absolutely love him. And by having this faith, you believe that when you die, you will go to heaven or 
he may return for his church before you die. Because Jesus is coming again, and we believe that by faith. And, and when we meet Jesus, however that comes, whether we die and go to be with him, or he comes for his church before that time, we know that we will receive an eternal inheritance. That we will see Jesus face to face. I love that song in the simple gospel that we sing. I want to know you, Lord, like I know a friend. And that's true now, as we perceive him by faith and we love him. But that, oh, that's going to be even more true then when we see Jesus face to face and we see him as he is. Because the outcome of your faith is the salvation of your soul. Now, do you happen to know this salvation? I mean, as I, as I use those uh, you know, pronouns, we and you, does it actually apply to you? Do you know the salvation that Jesus offers? Have you received the salvation that Jesus gives? And, and if not, you ought to be very concerned with this matter. <laughs> and, and if you are a Christian and you do follow Jesus, I, I know you're concerned with these things. That's why you're here right now. Is because you know that your soul matters. And it's important that God would refresh you and fill your soul each and every week as we gather as believers. Because listen, we all have souls. I, I, I don't know if you comprehend entirely what that means. I, I don't even know that I comprehend entirely what that means. But we all have souls. And when this physical life of ours ends, eternity begins. And the Bible teaches that only Jesus can save a soul from perishing in sin. That sin brings death and we will all die physically and yet our souls will live on past these physical lives. And only Jesus could be the acceptable sacrifice that God required for us to have the removal of sin so that our souls can live forever with him. And so Jesus came. He left heaven and came to earth and he lived among us and he lived a perfect and a sinless life. He died a perfect death and he rose from the dead and he says, come to me. All you who come to me, come and receive me and receive the gift of life that I give. And when you do, you die to yourself. You're raised up in the power of Jesus Christ and you live, you live with this promise. You live with the hope of heaven in your heart. We're just talking about some salvation stuff this morning, right? If you're listening to this, you probably have concerned yourself with the things of salvation, and that's exactly what Peter's doing. Verse 10, he says, concerning this salvation that you have received by grace through faith, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully. Now, this is really interesting because everything that I've just declared to you, just in the start of this sermon, talking about the salvation we have in Jesus, this hasn't always been known in such detail. You see, let me explain this, is that prior to Jesus, the Son of God, coming to earth as the Messiah, God worked in and through one people group. The Israelites, we, we call them the Jewish people. And for the most part, we're probably just a bunch of Gentiles from Southern California, right? Uh, but Peter was not. Peter was a Jewish man who, who had been brought up under the laws of God, 
uh, came from the descendants of the people of Israel, from the descendants of Abraham. And he came to believe, as it was revealed through the prophets, that this man, Jesus of Nazareth, that he is the Jewish Messiah. And in the portion of our Bible that we call the Old Testament, that's the first half of your Bible, God spoke to the people, to his Jewish people, and he spoke to them through the prophets. And much of the Old Testament is prophecy, starting with Genesis and ending in Malachi, what God was doing was that by his Holy Spirit, he was speaking through these prophets, speaking about future things. And and as these prophets were speaking to the Jews, right, to the people of their day, they also, by the Holy Spirit, were speaking about things that had yet to be fulfilled, things of the future. And it was the Holy Spirit the third person of the Godhead, who we sang and asked that he would come and inhabit this place. And not only does he inhabit this place, but he inhabits you if you believe in Jesus. But the Old Testament prophets didn't know that. The, the Spirit of God moved upon them to speak these oracles of God. And they were declaring what they were hearing from God. But again, a lot of this stuff was future, and they didn't quite comprehend. They didn't really know everything about what they were prophesying about, because God had not yet fully revealed certain mysteries. You see, a lot of the Old Testament, what we have there is what we call messianic prophecies, prophecies that speak of the coming of a Messiah, the Redeemer of God's people, In Hebrew, he is called the Messiah. In Greek, he is called the Christ. And we know that it's Jesus. And and these prophets, they they didn't know who the Messiah would be, but they knew the Messiah would come. And they searched and they inquired carefully about these things. With intense and deep interest, they sought out the mysteries of God. They only saw in a shadow of things what was to come. They knew there was something more to what they were saying, yet they didn't know it all yet. Why? Because it was veiled in mystery. Now, the idea of mystery in the biblical sense isn't like, you know, the game Clue, like who done it, right? Mystery in the biblical sense is the idea that um, you would have no ability to know it unless God had revealed it. And God has revealed mysteries so that you can know what God has planned and what God has done. And one of those mysteries, for instance, is the fact that Gentiles, non-Jewish people, would be brought into the salvation plan of God. But the prophets didn't quite know that, but they wanted to know more. Now, as I'm teaching right now, I know that I'm using... Um, some biblical language here. I'm talking about mysteries and prophets and Holy Spirit and oracles of God and, you know, all, all these different biblical words that maybe you don't quite understand. And even when I say prophets, you're like, well, what, wait, what is this? Well, well, let's read verse 11 again. And we're, we're going to dive into these things because, you see, what we're going to see from this text is that we should have a deep interest in these things. We should have a deep interest in the things concerning salvation. So verse 11 says that the prophets, what they were doing in verse 11, it says they were inquiring 
what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. Now think with me for a moment. Think about some of the prophets from the Old Testament, guys like Isaiah or Jeremiah or Ezekiel. Think of people like Malachi or Obadiah or Hosea. And maybe even as I'm saying all of these names of prophets, you've maybe seen those names or maybe you never have, but I'll just tell you, they're in your Bible. (laughs) And we would do well to go and to read these prophetic books because when you read them and you understand them, if you have faith in Jesus, you know that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God and it will just blow your minds to see the things that God had predicted through the prophets beforehand, which are now fulfilled in Christ. It's absolutely mesmerizing. And I remember, I remember when I realized for the first time in my life that if I'm gonna follow Jesus, then I should probably know what he has spoken about in the Bible. (laughs) Like, 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 this isn't just some, you know, fa- fancy little book that just kind of I care along with me. I should read this and know this and have a deep longing interest into what God has spoken here. And if you, if you have had that sense, right, and I know that Sports Center tonight, let's go. <laughs> Boom. Somebody's already watching the pregame. Here we go. It's like, man, that Bible stuff's blue. I'm going to watch some sports right now in church. (laughs) I'm just kidding. It's fine. It's fine. Ah, man. Real real great point right here, man. What if we have as deep of interest in who wins in this book (laughs) than who wins today in the Super Bowl? So, I'm going to have that be like my walk-up song every Sunday. Every Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday. Let's go. So, what I was saying was I remember when I realized that I should probably read the Bible if I'm going to devote my entire life to following Jesus. Um, it would be a good idea. And I know the, the, the arguments, because I had the same, is that I don't like reading. I don't like reading. If you're a Christian, get over it. <laughs> Uh, you know, I read all of two books in high school. I really hated reading. I still don't think it's my favorite thing to do. But when you become a Christian, you realize that you have to read the Bible if you want to grow in your faith. And I get it. The Bible's daunting. It, it is a big book and sometimes really hard to read and to understand. I mean, <laughs> we were just talking about this this morning. But the more you read it, the more you'll understand it. And, and awesome, <laughs> uh, but if you if you don't read it, you're, you're not going to really grow in your faith, right? Um, so I'm sure you want to read your Bible. I'm sure it would encourage you if you did so more. Um, but the prophets were so eager to know and understand what we know now. I mean, imagine. Think of Isaiah. He would have died to have a copy of the New Testament. Think of Jeremiah. I mean, he was emotionally tormented because he's like, there's something more to this and I can't figure it out. Right? 
what if Jonah had an audio Bible in the belly of the fish? <laughs> if you don't like reading, somebody will read for you. We have so much at our fingertips today for us to search and inquire. Those words search and inquire have the idea of peering into something with such an intense and deep interest. And the prophets so concern themselves with the salvation that is now ours in Jesus Christ. We have the grace of God that they were prophesying about and only had a slight hint about. But today, you know, God in times past, Hebrews starts with, God in times past, past spoke to our fathers by the prophets but in these last days he has spoken to us by his very own son like we actually have the very words of God spoken from the mouth of God himself Jesus Christ I mean can you imagine if Isaiah or Jeremiah got to sit and listen to Jesus give the sermon on the mount? Or if they could sit down and read the Gospels and see the fulfillment of all they were prophesying about. Just, just take Isaiah alone, who wrote Isaiah 53. If he could just go and sit down and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. You know, in, in verse 11, it says that the prophets, and Isaiah being one of these prophets, predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. And you guys probably, many of you know Isaiah 53. I'm just going to read one verse from Isaiah 53, verse 7. This is what Isaiah prophesied long before Jesus ever came on the scene. He said, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that is before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Imagine Isaiah reading Matthew chapter 26, verse 67 to 68, which says this, then they spit in his face and struck him. And some slapped him saying, prophesy to us, you Christ, who is it that struck you? That was Jesus as he was being led to the slaughter, as he was going to the cross and some Roman soldiers blindfolded him and punched him in the face and said, prophesy you Messiah, like, come on, tell us, who hit you? You know the craziest thing? Jesus knew who hit him and knew every single thing about that person and yet he opened not his mouth, he didn't speak a word. The following verse, Matthew chapter 26, verse 69 and 70, right after Jesus fulfilled that prophecy of Isaiah. This is what it says. It says, now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard and a servant girl came up to him and said, you also were with that Jesus, the Galilean, but he denied it before them all saying, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> I I just wonder, what if Isaiah were to be standing there with Peter? What do you mean you don't know what you, like, you don't know what you mean? You know, what, what if Peter had really come to understand fully what that, what they meant by Jesus? Now, Peter eventually got it, Right? Peter here, who wrote this letter, understood that Jesus was prophesied long ago, and now he is one who, by the Holy Spirit, is writing scripture and proclaiming the gospel to us. And man, if we have 
the Old Testament and the New Testament, the declaration of the prophets and the declaration of the apostles, there should be no one in this room right now who says, what do you mean? What do you mean about salvation? We have the revelation of God that you are a sinner (laughs) and you need salvation. You have a soul and unless you repent of your sin and, and turn to a savior, your soul will perish for all of eternity. And, and there's only one person, only one name under heaven by which man must be saved, and that is the name Jesus Christ. And if you turn to him and you believe that his death on the cross pays for your sins, and, and you believe that he was raised from the dead so that you could have an eternal hope and inheritance, If you believe that by faith, you will receive the grace of God. There's nothing that you must do to work yourself toward that. God gives it as a gift and you receive it. And so no one should say, what do you mean? You have heard the gospel, now you must respond to the gospel and you'll have an opportunity to do that today. You know, this is a perfect shameless plug for a Bible study we do on Mondays called Truth Seekers. Uh, Pastor Rob's in the engine room praying right now, and he's like, praise the Lord, here we go. Uh, Because they're going verse by verse through the book of Isaiah right now. And and on Monday nights, you'll be able to see all of the messianic prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. Isn't the Bible so fascinating? Isn't it? It's absolutely mind-blowing. And Peter is just doing this. He's just connecting the Old Testament and the New Testament into our faith. Now look at verse 12. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you, in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit from heaven, things into which angels long to look. So what Peter is doing is I really want to pull out there what he says about the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who was the one who inspired the prophets and inspired the apostles to give us what we now have. And we are the recipients and the beneficiaries of the promises of God. The announcement of salvation has come to your ears today. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And today you've heard about the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. Um, The prophets looked forward to the work of Jesus. The apostles looked back on the work of Jesus. The work of Jesus for salvation is the centerpiece of human history. The death and resurrection of Christ is for the salvation of our souls. And how shall we escape if we neglect so great of a salvation? How deeply must we concern ourselves with things of salvation? And and let me just give you one example of something that like I didn't realize before until I had searched and inquired into the scriptures, things concerning salvation. You know, I used to wonder how people before the time of Jesus were saved. You ever wondered that question? How are people in the Old Testament saved? We know how we're saved. We look back to Jesus and his death and resurrection on the cross, but Jesus didn't die on the cross and he wasn't raised from the dead before. How are they saved? And a lot of people think that they were saved by their works. 
that they were saved by their obedience to the law, that, that if, they, if, if they obeyed God more than they disobeyed God, then they were saved. No, that's not how people were saved in the Old Testament. Everybody is saved through faith. Everyone has to be justified by faith, those before the cross and those after the cross. And, and those who are saved before the cross, they are saved by faith as they look forward to the coming of Jesus in his death and resurrection on the cross. Jesus dying on the cross and being raised from the dead is the only way of eternity past and eternity future by which man must be saved. And so the, the, the Jews, what they did is they sacrificed uh, animals. They, they were sacrificing and the blood was being shed for the remission of sins, but they knew the, the, this is only good for a year. There's going to come something more that will absolve our sins for, forever. And they were looking forward to the coming of Jesus. And even though they saw it in shadows, they believed by faith and they were justified by faith. And they were responsible with the revelation that they had received. We are saved by looking back to the cross. We are saved by looking back, knowing in human history that God descended to the earth in the incarnation and died for us. And we believe that by faith, not by our works, not by anything that we do. Isn't that fascinating? So you look at that and you think that the cross, the center of human history, the people before it, we're longing to look at it. In, with intense gazing, seeking to inquire into it, they looked at it. Now we, this side of the cross, are, are looking back, and we too ought to long with gazing intensity things concerning salvation, but it's not just us who gaze into these things. Did you see who else does? Look at the end of verse 12. After talking about the prophets and the apostles, then it says things into which angels long to look. It's like Peter throws in this little sidebar point saying <laughs> angels are watching us right now. You're like, what? Where's, right? Angels are watching us right now. The Bible teaches very plainly that angels exist. They are created beings. Uh, they are not made in the image of God as we are. And they also cannot receive the grace of God like we do. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 9, 1 Corinthians 11, 10, Ephesians 3, 10, 1 Timothy 3, 16, if you're taking notes. Those are great verses to go and read about the sort of the activity of angels. But what angels do is they are servants and ministers of God. But angels don't preach the gospel. That's our responsibility. And angels, as I said, can't receive grace. That is our gift from God. And so the gospel of grace just blows angels' minds. What is this? You know, it's why, as Jesus said, when one sinner repents, there's the biggest Super Bowl party in heaven. <laughs> right? Like, whatever Super Bowl party you've got today just pales in comparison to when one sinner repents and the rejoicing that is caused in heaven. It says in Revelation 5 that in heaven, the angels surround the throne, and it's like thousands upon thousands, myriads upon myriads of voices all singing together, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And they look at us, and they're like, this is crazy. 
And so if the prophets are excited about salvation, the apostles were excited about salvation, and the angels are super excited about salvation, what is your excitement level about salvation? And, and I don't mean that in any sort of legalistic guilt trip kind of way, but I really do think that, that if we were more concerned with the salvation of our souls than who won the Super Bowl today, like, dang, you, yeah, stuff would happen in the church. Um, and so let's come to church every Sunday like it's Super Bowl Sunday, yeah? Like, let's have that mindset. It's, and the crazy thing is, it's like, we already know who wins. <laughs> you know when you DVR the big game? And you like, you don't want anyone to tell you who won because you want to watch it for yourself. Well, the Bible is like the DVR of God's plan of redemption through the ages. And, and I'm going to spoil it for you right now. Jesus wins. <laughs> right? He wins. And if you're on Team Jesus, you win too. Amen? Amen. Let me finish with this last verse. It says, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter's like, I'm trying to get you so pumped up on salvation so that with your minds you would be prepared for action, that you would be sober-minded, setting your hope fully on the grace of God that's to be revealed at the revelation of Jesus Christ, that he's coming back again, church. And, and we need to be prepared, preparing our minds for action. I love what the New King James Version said, girding up the loins of your minds. You know, to gird up your loins in that day was that the, the men would la- wear these long robes, and if they were gonna get up and go, they had to pull up their robe, tuck it into their belt, and then they could move. You know, the modern equivalent would be like rolling up your sleeves. You're gonna get into the work. And this is what Peter tells us to do with our minds. Gird up the loins of your minds. Roll up the sleeves of your minds and get engaged in the plans that God has for salvation to the ends of the earth. That we, as believers, are to be wise as serpents, innocent as doves, setting our minds on Jesus, on things above where Christ is, not on things below. Being sober-minded. The opposite of sober is drunk. And we can get our minds drunk on all kinds of things whether it's alcohol, or anger, or lust, or or pride, or fear, we can have our minds intoxicated. But we've been called to be sober-minded. We're called, as it says in 2 Corinthians 10.5, to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, we have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and the acceptable, perfect will of God. Philippians 2, 5 says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians says, you have the mind of Christ because the spirit of God dwells in you. 
And then we see in 2 Corinthians 11.3, Paul says, I'm afraid, Corinthians, I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. You know, the battle for spiritual life in Jesus really has very much to do with the mind, with your thoughts. That if you could... Uh, it, it's why in the spiritual armor of God we're given the helmet of salvation. <laughs> That's why Peter's saying, think about salvation. Think about things concerning salvation and it will be like a helmet over your head, guarding your mind. Because the Christian life is full of action. And if we are not engaged with our minds into the work of salvation that God is doing, we're gonna miss it. So we set our hope fully on the grace of God that is to be revealed with the revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen, let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your salvation. Thank you, Lord, that it all is by grace through faith. Salvation is a gift, nothing that we can earn, nothing that we can do to receive it. We simply receive by grace through faith. And so, Lord, I pray today I know many people in here know, your, know you and have your salvation, and I pray with their minds as they've heard and been reminded that they'd be excited about salvation. But today, if there's anyone here who, before coming in here, said like, Peter, what do you mean? But now they've heard, and the Holy Spirit has spoken to them and said, oh, I, I know what he means. I know that I am a sinner and I know that I have a soul that needs saving and I've heard today that Jesus can do that and if that's you, if you've heard this message of salvation today, if you've heard this message of the gospel, the simple gospel that Jesus loves you and will give you the gift of salvation just by simply receiving it, do you wanna just raise your hand up over your head and everyone's praying right now, they've got their eyes closed, no one's, no one's staring you down. I see you right over there, sweetheart. Awesome, praise the Lord. Anybody else wanna pray to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior? Just raise your hand. Okay, wonderful. Well, I saw you right back over there in the corner. Lord Jesus, thank you that you've received that, that precious soul over there. Thank you, Jesus, that she can just come to you and say, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you, and you will come and you will meet her. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.